It is a beautiful, sunny and warm day, and the town center is bustling with activity. There are lots of kids in the streets and families, and you hear singing over there in the distance around the Protestant church. They're singing songs, and everything here in the street is orange. People are walking around in orange uh, t-shirts. You've got our national flag everywhere with an orange extra banner. And here on my right, they're making pulfertjes. I don't know if you know what those are, but they're like tiny little, tiny little pancakes. Uh, these guys are singing uh, a birthday song which has everything to do with the reason that the town is so busy today. It is the king's birthday. And so the entire country has a day off and especially in uh, this particular town which originally is a very Protestant town and so our royal family of course is Protestant has a very strong emotional bond with, uh, with the royal family. And on King's Day, everybody is out here celebrating. The kids here are selling their toys. So this is also what they call like a free market. You can basically just sit down uh, and sell anything you want. You don't have to pay taxes. Nobody is, uh, is uh, 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 annoying you with, with rules and everything and especially for kids of course this is a great way to uh, to make some extra extra money oh here they're also making pufferches so these tiny little pancakes are delicious they're nice small and fluffy you eat them with uh, a bit of butter and then uh, powdered sugar it's an absolute treat but uh, most of us cannot make that at home you need a special pan and everything And so on a day like this, uh, there's usually quite a, <laughs> quite a group of people waiting to get those, those poffertjes. Poffertjes literally means uh, things that puff, <laughs> that say poof. So they're very airy. That's probably why they are called like that. Most of the regular shops and supermarkets are closed. Um, and instead, here on my left, they have these stalls. Um, and sometimes it's the shops themselves that will do like a sale or um, and, and, uh, and sometimes it's just uh, a non-commercial private people that uh, want to sell something the terrace here is uh, full of people enjoying the nice almost, almost I mean this is springtime this is what springtime is supposed to be and we haven't had a day like this in, uh, in months And I've been looking forward so much to, uh, to these days where finally the, I can walk around without a coat and I feel the strength of the sun in my back here in the small park. You've got the tulips that are coming out of the ground. It's a wonderful day. Kids are actually also eating ice cream. The, well, we've got one ice cream shop. It's actually a, just on the other side of the park near my house. Um, and during the winter it's it's closed and I think today it's the first day that they are open and are, again is a long line of people uh, waiting to get uh, their uh, homemade ice cream it's very good ice cream actually and I say this uh, with some pretty good reference material 
<laughs> having lived for two years in Rome. But uh, their gelato, it's a bit more expensive than in Italy, but it's still very good. Speaking of Italy, I'm hoping to go there in uh, one of these weeks. Uh, that my trip to, to the UK has really uh, awakened my desire to go travel again. And I haven't been in Rome since forever because of the, the, the pandemic. And only last year I was there just for, what is it, two or three days to make the television item for the canonization of, of St. Titus Bronsma. But since that was mostly work-related, I didn't have much time to enjoy the city. But uh, I want to go back there in the month of May, which is a wonderful month uh, weather-wise. It's not too hot. And so I'm, I'm looking around for uh, places to stay because there's one thing that has changed in Rome. The city doesn't change much, but the prices have gone up tremendously. I was looking on Expedia. It's usually where I, where I start looking for hotels and there was literally nothing available in the city center below, let's say, 60 or 70 euros per night, um, which is twice the amount of money that I would normally pay. And then the cheaper rooms, they were all very far from the city center. So maybe my next step is going to be to look into um, some monasteries. There are a few communities that welcome travelers. So um, maybe that's another option. The ticket prices for flying, that's still relatively affordable. It's not as cheap as it used to be, but it's still, um, if, if you're, you're not tied to a specific day, you can actually still find a, a pretty good deal. Um, so that's something I would like to do in May, mainly for two reasons. I would like to uh, make some new audio documentaries. Um, I've, I've talked about this in... Um, the special episodes that I did of the walk and of the break while I was in England. Um, I, I loved sharing with you the journey and to bring you along. And I know from some of you at least that have given me some feedback that they enjoyed it too. Because this is how I started podcasting. It was literally this. I am on St. Peter's Square. The Pope is ill. Maybe he'll die. And this is what I see. And I would walk around in Rome. That's literally the first phase of my podcasting life was exactly that and then I've done that for years in a in a, a show that was called the Catholic Insider and I would take people along to bring people along to France to Italy to Scotland and so many other places even to China and uh, and then of course uh, life changed and I did a lot of that work on location in uh, uh, in my television series but when I'm filming I can't do both filming and doing these audio documentaries at the same time it's too much work and it's also a matter of focus it's a, such a different medium um, but when I was back in London and in Leicester and I was recording these uh, these walks I figured this is actually so, really enjoyable and fun to do and I'd like to try my hand uh, with this a little bit more often this year um, and what better place to do that than Rome, where literally on every corner of the street there is something interesting to, uh, to describe, and there are sounds, and there's always there's good food, and there's history, there's so much um, that will make those documentaries interesting. This is, by the way, something that... Uh, it's kind of the main theme of this walk is uh, 
how I, how I rediscovered my passion for certain types of stories. Um, so I love doing the audio documentaries because um, it's, it's very different from uh, the editing process when you do video. Because then you film a lot and then you sit down and you construct a story. Whereas with audio, I can still paint pictures inside your mind. Like just a few minutes ago when I was walking through the town center and I was describing the atmosphere. I'm sure you had a certain picture in your mind. So I love doing that. But it's much less of a hassle because I don't have to... I can just tell the story as it, as it happens, as it occurs. I don't have to go back and sit down and... And then start to edit all the audio to make to turn it into a coherent story. The journey itself is the story. Uh, so that is that's a lot of fun. And um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, I was talking about how how that has kind of awakened my uh, my love for this type of storytelling. So audio wise. Rather than always recording something in the studio with a lot of preparation and show notes, um, I feel like maybe I should bring this back. Provided, of course, that you, as my listener and follower, uh, would be interested in that. I can do it for myself, but then I don't need to record it. I can just talk to myself and people will look at me strange, but at least dogs won't try to to uh, bite, take a bite out of my, of my windshield anymore. But uh, judging from the, the few comments I got, some of you really enjoyed this. And so maybe this is something I, um, I could bring back. And I'm thinking currently of not replacing one of my current shows. Because I know also for the walk, even though in terms of how I record it, it's very much the same. I'm just walking around. You hear the sound, the, like the... The environment, you hear the birds, you hear the, 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 the street, the people in the streets. But the walk itself is much more of a reflective type of show. This is why you listen. It's because, well, you can follow me along and we talk about the things on the inside. Not so much about what I see. I will, every once in a while I'll describe where I am. So right now I'm actually walking to the fringes of the town uh, towards the Prince Hendrik Street, which goes up the hill, and that will bring me to the the departure point where we always gather on Tuesdays with our running group, um, and that is also the beginning of the wood. So there's going to be a nice walk from there on. So occasionally I will I will insert these little descriptions. The trees are now taller and most of them are starting to develop leaves. So it is, uh, it's really springtime. It's unstoppable right now. But it's not the core of this particular show. It's, that's not what it's about. Um, and then, of course, I've got the studio show, The Break, which is for me also an outlet for all the geeky stuff that's going on in my life. But a lot of the, the things that occupy my mind and my time are not maybe not uh, they don't they don't warrant like an entire video or a very prepared kind of talk and so that's why I created this this 
this show that is a bit of everything, um, where you have all these different segments with different jingles. And I've been doing that also since the, the dawn of podcasting. So that's not something I want to change because I know that a lot of you like it and I, I like it too. It's just to chat for an hour about all the geeky things that I'm interested in and that I may actually share with you because you're interested in it as well. But it's a studio show. It's just me sitting behind a microphone. I feel like this third category where I bring you along and together we will explore the world. That's something that I've always loved doing. I still do it with video, but I'd love to bring that back also in the realm of audio. And so this is what I would like to propose. Can you give me some feedback, especially if you're a patron on Discord? Can you give me some feedback uh, whether that this would be something you'd like me to do for the patrons? Um, you know that I've been doing various things for to, to bring value to my supporters, to my patrons. Um, I started with like the extra mile where I would record like a 15 minutes extra walk. But then that started to become very similar to what I already did for the regular episodes of The Walk. Um, for a while I did short television episode reviews, but I got very valid feedback from some of you that said, well, I'm not watching that particular series. And even if I do want to watch it, I don't want to hear spoilers. So, yeah, please don't do that because <laughs> I cannot listen to it unless I'm watching this series at the exact time that you are also watching it. So then I started to do these long-form deep-dive episodes, which is enjoyable. At the same time, it's also extremely demanding. Um, maybe this has to do with my <laughs> the imposter syndrome that I feel like I have to give you value for money and I need to really study those uh, Star Wars episodes or whatever series I was commenting on. Otherwise... I'm, I'm just an imposter, you know, I shouldn't do this. Um, the downside of that approach is it takes just so much energy and so much work. And sometimes I would just force myself, like, okay, I've studied this enough, let's just go sit down and record. But then for an hour or sometimes even more, uh, it would be such a strenuous effort to try to stay on topic and stay coherent and... Whew, work my way through all the seats, all the uh, episodes of the season. It, it, it was so much work that it wasn't fun anymore. And I feel like I still failed on the level of providing uh, the, my patrons with, I don't know, the, 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 the right kind of commentary. I, it just didn't feel like something I could continue to do at that level. And so I'm, I'm looking for something that 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 I enjoy doing this is this is for me a very important um, ingredient of what I've always done in podcasting or on with video uh, it's got to have this element of passion we're here by the way at the start of the the entry you could say to the woods so I'm going off the the pavement here or the the, the bike lane and I'm now walking on much softer, uh, much softer path, you could say. Um, 
feels really nice to walk here and we're going into the woods um, this element of I like I have to share because I, I so love what I just experienced or what I I just watched that I want to share with you my enthusiasm and my initial thoughts I've always been good at that and um, the kind of improvised nature of the of the walk and also of these audio documentaries it's something that really is no effort whatsoever and i feel like it's much closer to who i truly am and maybe also closer to the main reason that you're listening to my shows and that you're following me is because i i am an enthusiastic usually pretty upbeat person and I love to share that positivity with you. Whereas if I become too much of a teacher, it feels forced. It's not that I don't have anything to say, don't get me wrong. I always have lots of thoughts when I've watched Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever. But I feel like at the moment I turn it into an online course, it becomes, I don't know, it becomes like a chore and... and <laughs> It's, it's much more about the effort that I have to put into it in order to bring a, uh, something to the table that is, that is um, in a certain way, you know, that is adding something to the table. Instead. But there are so many other people that do that much better than I do. But why people follow my Star Wars commentary, for instance, on YouTube is because I, I have that kind of natural enthusiasm and that positivity that apparently is rare commodity nowadays because there are so many of these fan bases that are that have turned completely toxic where everybody is moaning and complaining and i i'm just too old for that kind of sh that kind of, ooh i was almost saying something wrong with i'm too old for that kind of stuff also starts with an s but <laughs> So why don't I capitalize on that? Why don't I just do that? Do much more like first reaction stuff. I was, con I was um, encouraged to do that uh, by many people that I met at the Star Wars celebration where so many of you, uh, maybe you were there too, came up to me and said, I loved your reaction videos. It's such a, such a joy to watch them. And it's so different from from what you would find elsewhere. So, and that, that I also see it in, in the actual results and numbers of what I do. It's always the spontaneous stuff where I'm just totally myself. That, that works. And people watch that and they even share it. They comment upon it. Whereas as soon as I sit down and it becomes too contrived and I write out this entire script, I work an entire day in editing and it does almost nothing. Other than people maybe just watch it and they nod in agreement. But that's not passion. And so the passion has to be there. So henceforth, <laughs> my suggestion is... But I can only, again, only do that if, if that's something that you would be interested in. So why don't I go back to where it all started and make another Catholic Insider type of series for my patrons and so it won't be story secrets it won't be uh, in-depth commentary um, I will shift probably shift that just to the live stuff that I do on YouTube and maybe if, if 
if there's interest in that, we can always make like an audio derivative of that. Um, but I don't want to like spend an entire day just doing research for uh, for a whole course on season three of The Mandalorian. Um, no, uh, I, I can watch the stuff like that as a fan and just talk about it off the cuff. I think that would be just as good, if not maybe better than uh, if I would uh, over prepare something like that. But why don't I, why don't I create uh, like these little mini series every once in a while for, for my patron followers, where if I go to Rome, for instance, in a couple of weeks from now, um, there will be like three, three or four walks through Rome and I will, we will go visit some stuff and have some gelato and just a, a way to immerse yourself in the atmosphere of Rome, even though you won't be able to join me at that, you know, during those days. If that's something that you would like to, um, to, to listen to as a patron, then let me know. Or if you think it's a totally bad idea, and please continue these deep dive episodes. Um, that too, for me, is valuable input. It's just that I feel uh, more and more that if I don't make choices myself in where to focus my my energy, um, I'm going to get a burnout. <laughs> and I don't. Ha- I'm actually starting to feel like a lot of the fatigue that I experienced uh, last year and in the first half of the first three months of this year was also related to a bit of a like almost like a pre-burnout where it's just it's all too much and you give a lot but there's not coming much there's not there's no return on the investment to a certain extent whereas the things that I have always that I've always motivated me to to work hard it was the stuff that I love to share um, another experience that I had this past weekend, uh, when I was at that fantasy fair, if you follow me on Discord or on, on uh, Facebook and, and Instagram, you, you've seen my photos. Um, I, I just, I went there, I wanted to go there because it's, it's, for me, it's a missionary activity, right? I, I, I feel like it's important for me as a, as a geeky representative of the church to be there among all those tens of thousands of geeks, basically, and to connect with them and to listen and to share. And that's exactly what happened. I also brought along my camera because I feel like um, these, these events are... Uh, are always treasure troves for good stories. Um, but I didn't have a specific plan what what I was going to do with that material. But I knew that if I would go and film things over the course of that weekend, it would be enough for maybe not a full-fledged half-hour documentary, but definitely for like a 10-minute video vlog. Uh, but maybe a vlog plus. A vlog is often like, oh, here I am, and this is happening now, and that happened. Uh, I would like to do a bit more of a reflection and add something, uh, to turn that into a true story where, where at the end of watching that video, you will have learned something, you will have discovered something with me. So I'm still kind of, that's what I've been doing this past week. Just sit down 
And instead of just forcing myself to create a documentary with whatever, what, what is a documentary? You know, there's so many different genres. So instead of trying to force myself to create something um, to, to match this vague idea of whatever <laughs> thing I ultimately want to end up making, um, I just sat down and my question was, how can I turn this into a compelling story? Um, so that is, that is what I've been doing this past week. And it was such a difference with the time that I was editing because I had to m meet the deadline and I had to make something that is focusing on this church-going audience, uh, Dutch, uh, that will, will also have the time to sit down in the afternoon to watch my TV show. There were so many things that I've done in the past that actually didn't really spark joy. It was just work. I just had to do it because it was work. It pays for the bills. And I feel that now I'm in... For, for years, I've been exhausting myself on putting good stuff out. And I know it's good stuff. I, I, I can do this. But it didn't really feed me. It didn't... Again, no return on investment. Um, it, it kind of... It sounds a bit harsh, but a lot of the topics that I used to do in my, for my TV show, I would never have filmed, I would never have um, made videos about that stuff if it hadn't been for the fact that I had this contract and, you know, it pays the bills. But that's not, that's not ideal. It's not, certainly not something I want to do for the rest of my life. And by just going to events like the Star Wars Celebration, uh, walking around in London, just going and visit all these film locations, um, those were things that I tremendously enjoyed. And I can tell now that I'm editing, I can tell the joy that I had uh, shooting that material, doing the interviews. And so the story just materializes. It's almost magic. I sit there and I'm thinking, oh, wow. All of a sudden I see how this is a story. But I didn't plan it. It just... It happens because it's something I'm passionate about and then my creativity kind of does the rest. That's, that's what I want to do. That is what what's, reconnects me with, with the engine, <laughs> with what has, ever, what, what has always fueled everything I did. And somehow along the way it became work and it became a duty but it didn't spark joy anymore. And I feel it's, the, it's not the right direction. Um, I, w I had a, a meeting, uh, when was it? Was it? No, it was the day before yesterday. I'm recording this on, on Thursday. And on Tuesday evening, I was uh, invited by my former colleague, uh, Tom, who I worked with for many years in radio and television. He was the... He had the final say about uh, the programs that I made. Um, he also was an old friend. Uh, we've known each other from the time that, even before the internet, we were both part of the ed editorial crew of um, a youth magazine, and he would always write columns about music. Um, I would sometimes write, but most, mostly what I did was I did the entire layout 
of the magazine. So um, this was a monthly magazine, so 12 times a year. Um, I worked in um, Quark Express. Some of you may remember that program. It was a very nice visual uh, layout program, uh, desktop publishing, DTP. Uh, and I would take all the interviews and stuff. And uh, this was also before you could l search for, for photos and pictures. So every picture in the magazine, I had to scan it. And we, there, there was just no, there were no public domain um, image banks or whatever. But I, I was really striving to make that magazine look like, an, like a professional magazine. So this is how I taught myself to do desktop publishing. And, uh, and later on, uh, Tom became uh, my colleague uh, in further radio and television programs that I was involved in. And... Uh, as you know, my, my television show, the, um, the show that, um, that I made until, what is it, two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, that, that stopped. And, and so did his involvement in that. And he still was also working for a radio show. But in the end, um, there wasn't enough work for him. And so uh, he was let go. And he, so last Tuesday evening... He invited a couple of his, his former colleagues uh, for a farewell dinner. It was really nice. It was in my old town where I used to live, uh, in, the, in the rectory. Um, we went to this uh, steak restaurant. Um, and it was a very nice, pleasant evening. Um, and most of these, I didn't know everyone very well. Um, but they were all involved, and some of them are still involved in the a religious broadcasting uh, di division, you could say, of the broadcasting company that we all worked for. And it was interesting. Some of the people present um, had already retired. Um, there is a, a female colleague, and she, she always did radio, um, has been doing that for maybe more than 25, maybe 30 years, maybe even longer. And, uh, but now she's retired and uh, she, she told us how at first she thought, oh gosh, I'm going to, it's going to be just this big black hole. What am I going to do? My life was my work. And, uh, yeah, this, this is the end. And then she said, you know what? It's so funny. After a few days, you, you, you don't want to go back anymore. And I realized that even if in the first few weeks I was still listening to the radio show that I co-produced, I stopped listening. I don't care anymore about that program. And then Tom said the same thing. He said, yeah, I, I still in the beginning was listening to uh, the programs that I used to help create. But now, now I'm not listening anymore. And it was so funny to hear that actually for them, it was also a bit of a relief to no longer have to do that. It's not that they did their work uh, uh, without, you know, without any passion. I think all of them were very good program makers. But they realized, you know what? We've been making this program for our audience. That was our job. We make it. We know our audience very well. We know how to do this. But it's actually something that we can also just let go of very, very quickly, very easily. And that was a bit of a, that was a shock to me. 
because I realized that, wait a minute, that's how I feel also about some of the television shows that I've been making for, for many years. I don't miss it. I do miss filming, I miss interviewing, I miss uh, creating video, but I don't miss the particular topics. I don't really miss the audience either because I was not part of that audience. It wasn't, uh, I did this for a certain demographic because I felt that this is my calling, this is my responsibility. But now that I don't no longer have to, I'm actually quite relieved that I don't have to do this work anymore. And if I, uh, I certainly hope to continue to do television work every once in a while, but this time I'm going to tell my stories and I want my programs to be driven by a personal passion. I'm not going to cater to a specific audience. Um, it's got to be for a community that I'm a part of. And life is too short to not do that. Um, and so that, 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 was a, that dawned on me when, when I was taking the train back home. I'm thinking, you know what? Even though I, I really miss the process of making television and having also this... Um, this reason to to work hard. I don't. I don't miss the particular that particular program that I was making. Um, and and that told me something mostly about myself. Like the reason that I've reconnected with this incredible source of energy is because I feel like I'm again. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. This is, these are my stories. I love telling these stories. I love this community. Uh, when I walk around there uh, on, on these fantasy festivals or at the Star Wars convention, I don't feel like I am a missionary who is there to reach an audience. No. I feel like I'm a friend. I'm a fan, just like all these people there. And I sh what I do is I highlight this community that I love so much and I show what's happening there and why this is so important and why this is such a valuable family. Um, and so I'm a storyteller within that community. Instead of being a storytelling, to be a storyteller for a certain community that I personally don't feel like I belong to. Um, so in the end, my conclusion was I'm, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do and what has held me back in the past and maybe the one of the reasons why I felt so exhausted and so tired all the time is because I was doing things for people and not with them and I had to put my energy into it to make something instead of what I do creating energy for all of us. It's a subtle nuance because the, the work is exactly the same. But it's, it's, a, it's a totally different mindset behind it. And I feel like this is the, this is the big, the new, the new direction in a certain way. On the same path is I'm, I'm getting closer to how it all began. And I'm getting closer to the incredible creative energy that made it all begin to a certain extent. It's almost as if I go back to the living waters of Mandalore. Those of you that have seen the third season of, 
of The Mandalorian will know what I'm talking about. It's reconnecting with the, the living source that gave you a certain direction. Along the way, I kind of strayed from that path and I started to walk around in the desert. <laughs> and I had a certain water reserve and once that was gone, you know, you become basically a, um, a gun for hire or <laughs> a cameraman and someone who shoots, right? So I was shooting for, for hire because it, you know, it paid the bills. But it wasn't, it wasn't the same as when I started podcasting and, um, and I was doing it out of pure passion. It's not that the passion has always been completely gone. It's not either or, it's not black or white. But it is about balance. And um, some, of, some of you that have met me in London or were following me during those two weeks were really surprised how much I did in such a short amount of time. Um, and then I got home and I ran a marathon and then I went to Elfia and I, I walked around for two full days. I, did, I had a, a bit, pretty big mass in, during the weekend as well. Um, so huge, huge amount of energy that I poured in, into uh, my, my work for the past three weeks. And, and, and it surprised people. <laughs> Actually, it also surprised me. Like, I, I don't recognize myself anymore. The only reason that I, that I have for that is I was finally again doing what I love doing. And it doesn't... Well, ultimately, it will result in, in, in a product, in a, a production. Um, but that's almost an additional benefit of the product. The process itself is already a lot of fun. I love filming. I love doing these audio recordings. So it doesn't cost me much energy. This is why I've, I've very consistently been able to give you these weekly episodes of The Walk and The Break. Because we cut off all the fat, all the, uh, all the extraneous stuff that was uh, taking away so much energy. We, we stopped doing that. And I was talking about this with Inge uh, just today. So uh, did we really... Aren't, aren't we making too many changes? Um, because that's... You, in order to... Um, to strengthen the community, you have to be, in a certain way, dependable. And uh, there is a certain expectation. And if you change every week, and it's going to be very hard for, for people to latch on. And at least my, my view is that we haven't really changed, uh, made, made too many changes. But we have definitely... Um, uh, trying to cut back on all the energy leaks the things that we were doing because yeah because why says who <laughs> that we need to do that um we cut back on all the social media channels that we had all the brands that we were using and to to focus on the walk the break the the documentaries and the community and that's for now that's it and the and as long as all these things and i love the community right now on discord i i and i i really uh try to improve that community and to um bring 
the value there. We're trying to be very responsive to uh, problems that people may have from a technical point of view. Well, my dream is to get all the patrons on Discord. Even those that say, well, I don't know. I'm such a hassle. I have to install that app and <laughs> I don't know how that works. I'm not technical. Well, let us help you because the, the community itself is such an incredible extra value for uh, for the people that have been following me for years. This is something we, we were never able to do in the past. We did have a forum at one point, but gosh, you remember those internet forums. What a hassle that was. But, but Discord is so much more versatile and we can do so many things. Um, so that's, that's one passion and, um, and ex- that's a really worthwhile investment of our time and energy. The second thing is... Uh, the, the de- de- dependability, is that a word, of the podcast production, the walk and the break. They have a very loyal audience. Some of you have been listening to uh, this stuff for, for more than 20 years. Uh, is that so? started in 2005. No, maybe not 20, <laughs> 25 years, but almost. Um, so uh, we need to make sure that there are new episodes every single week, no matter what happens. And then the, 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 the final thing is uh, the documentaries. I, I feel, and when I say documentaries, I mean, I mean both video and audio. Uh, so hence, hence my proposal, what, what, do you, what would you say if I were to create a kind of Catholic Insider type of uh, uh, extra podcast for, for the patrons? And then I'll just let go a little bit of all the deep dives. I like doing that, but I will still do that. But only when I really feel like I have something to say and I'm enthusiastic. And it will probably be more in a like direct off the cuff. Here's my, what I feel. I just watched the, the end of this particular series. And oh my gosh, I, I need to talk about this. Rather than, let me tell you the five religious uh, symbols that are... Uh, showing that there is a Christian theology behind blah, blah, blah. I can do that too, but... Yeah. <laughs> maybe something else, Maybe there's a better approach than, than just that. Um, and then the video documentaries. Uh, letting go of the idea that everything has to also become um, like a full-fledged half-hour to an hour documentary. Because... I've already filmed stuff at Elfia. Uh, I've already filmed a lot of material for the Star Wars celebration of 2022. Why would I do the same thing? If this were television, I'd say, nah, you've already done that. It's not interesting. But I'm approaching it more from the perspective of uh, 2022, 2023, were two very different experiences. The same, it's the same type of experience uh, or event, but I, I've met and I've spoken with totally different people. And, they, and, and it's both these experiences give me enough material to tell a good story. But I have to cater to the people that really like this stuff. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to watching um, two documentaries about if it's about a topic that I really love. For TV, you couldn't do that. So it's an opportunity. If I, once I let go of that idea, oh, we should always make it so that we can air it on TV. Um, my energy is back. I, loved, I love editing my stuff. I'm also 
using it as an occasion to uh, to get to the next level production wise so there are a number of things that I discover while editing <laughs> stupid things like I, I was experimenting with uh, slow motion uh, because I always love these montages where you see lots of cosplayers usually cosplayers are you know you're not going to interview everyone about his or her costume you just want to show how beautiful the costume is that they made and and i wanted to do like little segments where it's just slow motion uh a, a slow motion montage of all these costumes so i filmed everything at a high frame rate 60 frames per second and then i slow that down to 24 frames per second so it's still uh I don't know, every, it's like a natural uh, uh, slow motion. What I did, what I totally forgot, it's because I've never done this before, is that if I keep the shutter speed, the shutter speed is how often uh, the lens opens to, to the light. You know, the lens, every film, of course, consists of, of photos, basically. I didn't change the shutter speed, so I was filming at a high frame rate, but the shutter speed was very slow. The, what that, that does is that then everything becomes a blur <laughs> because you've, you've, you, you distill two frames out of the same amount of light. And so, man, a lot of those slow motion images look terrible because I, I forgot that I had to up my frame rate when I was uh, trying to film in slow motion. Stuff like that. It sounds very technical, but that's one... If this were a job for TV... I say, oh, this is unusable. Oh, man, I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. I would, I would just be mad at myself. Now I'm thinking, you know what? It's a good thing that I filmed because now I, I'm actually editing this. You know, yeah, it's not going to be... The, I, I, can, I, I'll, I can solve salvage this, but this is a learning experience. Let me do this. The next time I won't make this mistake anymore. The same thing with um, what I was talking about on the break last week is... Uh, the more I do this, the more I, I realize what I need in my next camera. And if I want to get to a certain quality level that I aspire to, it means that I also have to up the quality of the gear that I w work with. For me, that those experiences are not failures. And there's no pressure because I don't have to use every frame of what I filmed. Um, but this is, this is super valuable learning uh, opportunity for me and I'm a quick learner <laughs> so if something went wrong I'll just go and and uh, watch some tutorials and I'm, I'm doing that too this is one of the fun things of editing myself is um, I sometimes have to fix stuff that went wrong and then I have to watch tutorials on how can I how can I make this work and uh, this is one of the reasons that I um, last week I bought the professional version of the editing program that I've been using for a while now. It's called the Da Vinci, love that name. <laughs> uh, and so uh, there is a free version, which is already extremely powerful, but for all the nifty artificial intelligence stuff where it, it can look at your, uh, your frames and it can sharpen them, it can uh, make them buttery smooth even though you haven't filmed enough frames it can just interpolate frames but it does it in such an intelligent way it can fix audio sometimes my audio is not very good or is over modulating um, with artificial intelligence it can make it crystal clear it can totally 
get all get rid of all the wind noise and stuff that is often marring my recordings and so just working with that professional ver- version is fun because I'm learning I'm getting better and so that that is what I see as as a, a, a number of these opportunities of being in this situation uh, where I feel like wow I'm getting really good at this in a very short amount of time what's not to love so um to wrap things up I don't know where am I right now <laughs> traditional moment of where am I uh, I see lots of uh, flags national flag so this is definitely part of the neighborhood where I should be the thing is that nature has changed all the flowers are in bloom and everything is green now and last time I walked here before London it, everything was still autumnal oh I think I know where I am one of the perks of having churches all over the place in this village I see a church tower I'm thinking oh yeah that's that reformed church I know that hmm, got to turn left etc but uh, to wrap things up, uh, f- focusing on uh, your, your, your true passion and, and trying to reach not an audience that you're foreign to, but to focus on people that are already kind of in a certain way part of, of your family um, and expanding in that direction is something that I think we should also do in church. Uh, we, we often make the mistake, I think, in, in our parishes, in our churches, to uh, think, well, well, we have this message and we need to reach all the people that don't go to church anymore. I've had this discussion over and over again for the past few months. How do we reach the young people? How do we reach the families? How do we get them into the church? And more and more I'm thinking maybe that's asking the wrong question or you start at the wrong end of the question. Uh, instead of asking how, how, what can we do so that people come to us, which often is also what media uh, people do, you know, I, clickbait is a good example of that. We'll, we'll give this article a very... Uh, intriguing title so that people click on it and hopefully they'll read the rest of the article as well but it's a very, also a very limiting mindset because if you if, if you've ever clicked on an article like that and who hasn't right the title is oh my gosh i can't believe this i need to read this and then you read the article and like, oh come on get to the point and only in paragraph five they tell you something that is so you know, everybody knows this, and what's the news? And come on, the whole title was clickbait. You don't stay there. It doesn't do anything for you. The church has to be very careful not to fall in the same trap where you try to create liturgical clickbait. Um, we do that, uh, especially when it comes to children and families. We think, well, we need to do these uh, masses where everything is is uh, fun and everything is simple and and and, and uh, every single phrase that we utter is geared towards the children uh, what we do is we create clickbait and so people will come uh, if you market it well but then the next week they're in church and it's nothing like what they experienced uh, during those family masses 
And then people will feel robbed. It's like, oh my gosh, so it was all a trick to get us into the church. But this is actually not what the community is. They were just forcing themselves to be there for us. It's not natural. And, and, and that is, I think, why a lot of those efforts go wrong. We, we are trying to create clickbait for people so they will come to us. But the true movement should be, if people don't come to us, how can we join them? How can we go towards them? If, I, I talk a lot, of course, with older people in church, and they always tell me, oh, my children, they don't go to church anymore. What did I do wrong? Uh, or sometimes they will blame the church. Oh, the church is doing nothing for the younger people because my children don't go to church anymore. So it's the, the church is to blame. The bishops are to blame. The pope is to blame. They're too old-fashioned. They don't go with the times. Um, though, of course, there's always something to think about there. But I think the true um, question you ask, you should ask yourself is, so if my children don't come to church anymore, can I bring the church to them? After all, you are part of that church. And so if they don't come to the church, then maybe you, as a representative of the church, can, can be at their sides. But then, of course, you also have to witness. You have to be ready to share your faith. That's not the job of just a pastor or the bishop or the pope. No, it's everyone's responsibility. And this wouldn't be a problem if you truly loved your faith, if faith is making, is, is what makes you tick throughout the week. Uh, if it doesn't, then of course you'll, you don't want to share that. You don't want to let people know that you're uh, a follower of Christ, that you're a Christian or a Catholic. But what if it's so important to you and it's so uh, enriching your life that, you know, you're not forcing people to believe what you believe, but you can witness, you can, you can share the joy of, uh, of being part of this community. And I think that's a much more effective way to evangelize and to reach out and to make sure that the church stays in touch with young people than to moan and to complain and to criticize everything because, you know, the church is not doing what it should do and just go out go meet people where they are and you are not you, you don't own their decisions i'm walking back into the town center uh so it may be a little bit more noisy here with all the people walking around but uh, same thing why am i walking here outside uh still recognizable as a priest it's not because i'm going to try to get people into the church but i want to show them that i am also here as a, as a representative of the church, and I, I, I value what happens here, even though it is not religious at all. That's why I'm also going to these fantasy fairs and to Star Wars conventions. It's because I feel like I am part of that church, and I, I am curious as to what drives people, what, what nourishes them, what binds them together. And, uh, and you know what? For a large part, that's also what brings me to these people, the it's not always um, faith itself that uh, uh, that that is, you know, the the 
the only glue in our society. Um, but faith has to be part of it, I feel, and can, can offer something that maybe other forms of entertainment or storytelling cannot offer. You know, you, you can go to a Star Wars convention and hear a lot about wonderful stories, but if you are struggling with stuff in your life, you know, don't go, uh, don't try to find uh, help or a pastoral answer uh, with, with one of the actors, you know. You go there for behind-the-scenes information and for maybe for an autograph or a photo op, but you're not going to ask a Star Wars actor to, to help you with specific things in your life. This, this is what a church does. We don't have that many famous people. Well, we have the Pope and sometimes bishops, but what we, what we do is we have that personal approach. We have this pastoral ability to be close to individual people. And we're also storytellers. Okay, I probably cannot... I can't, I can't top this. <laughs> oh man, isn't this wonderful? You've got music, you've got sunshine. I see kids eating ice cream and I smell barbecue. And puffertjes, of course, little pancakes. It's wonderful. Yeah, stand by me. Isn't that the, the, the big desire that we all have for someone to stand by you? And maybe that's our, that's our prayer as well, you know. God, I don't ask you to fix things or to... <laughs> it just stands by me. That's enough. Be with me. And that's... that's so the, to be present as someone from the church to people that you feel are part of your family. Um, start with that. Be close as a church, as a community, close to the people you already have. Don't forget about them. Nurture them and, and help them, feed them. Don't discard them because they're old. We'll all be old at one point in our lives. But help them to, uh, to reach out and to become missionary in, in their mindset because and driven by passion and not by obligation let alone by fear like oh we need to evangelize otherwise we'll be dead and our church is going to close <laughs> that is maybe the worst motivation and that will never work no it's, it's just stop worrying about about the the future of your buildings and uh, let it go you know when that happens the church is has worked very well in the beginning of its history without churches and cathedrals. So don't underestimate the, the binding strength of, of your faith and of God who gathers his children together. But, um, but always see it in the perspective of, I, I, we, we, I want to be with people I love and I, I want to share my passion with them and what nourishes me. And if it touches me, it will also touch someone else. Uh, at least the chances are much bigger than if I just do it out of obligation. That's true for faith, it's true for work, it's true for everything in life. I'm back home. Ah, it's getting warm, <laughs> all this walking. Thank you so much for the privilege, privilege of your time. 
and um, I'm now going to sit at my desk and record the break. So, fatheroderick.com. And let me know if you're interested in a sequel somehow to The Catholic Insider. Talk to you soon. God bless.